Thank you, Lord. Now, I have a question before I begin preaching, and just want to ask you a simple question. Who has felt challenged recently? Anybody feel challenged? <laughs> two hands back there. Got Tony giving two hands. Well, I just want to be with you. I, so am I. I'm being challenged too. The Lord is challenging us. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, when I say the Lord is challenging us, let me actually backtrack. That's not untrue, but let me dial it back just a little bit further. Really, the enemy is creating the challenge, but the Lord's using the challenge, right? We say the Lord's challenging us. The Lord doesn't test. The Lord doesn't tempt. He just uses the thing, right? He uses that thing around your life to help you to what? To grow, to become more like him, right? We need to become more like Jesus. The whole goal in this life is to be more like Jesus, right? The whole point of your existence is to know Jesus. And I say this like a broken record. That's it. That's why I talk about the garden. I go back to Adam and Eve so often because that's it. It's to just to walk with him and to know him. The whole point of this existence on earth, though, knowing Christ, is to be like Jesus, to reflect Jesus. I've said this before. Lucifer's job was to reflect. His name means light reflector. He didn't do his job, so the Lord chose us to do that job. He rose up. You know what separates? That is very simple. It's pride. Pride is so simple. I just want to tell you this. Let me just start this sermon off with this. The enemy, and I have some things to say, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you're going to say them the way you want to say them and not me, Jesus' name. But I know this. You know, we know in the Word, the Bible says, love never fails. Everybody say that out loud. Love never fails. But I think it's better, to, it's more proper to say it this way. Say it with me. Love never fails with people, right? It's people that God's talking about. It's your love, right? It's not your love that you have. Okay, I have love, so, you know, nothing's my connection with God. God creates something in you. He does something in you so that, you're, so that the love of Christ will come out of you. And so it's what is the full picture of that verse is that it, it never fails with people. If you can give people love... It may take time, but love never fails. It, can, it will conquer. It'll climb Mount Everest. It'll go across all the oceans. Love just keeps going on and on and on. But I have a second statement, and that's the, in this earth. Your love is a tool. It, it's not a tool in your heart. It's something supernaturally that's done in your heart, but it's a tool that God gives us if we'll let it happen in our heart on this earth. And it works. Love never fails. But with God, I want to say something. I'm going to take a little bit of license. So whenever I'm going to do that, I always tell you. With God, humility never fails. With God, humility never fails. In the same way that love, you cannot stop real love, the real love of Christ, from, ha from 
changing situations and changing the world around you. It may take time and the devil wants to show you that it's not happening as fast as you expect and people aren't changing the way that you'd expect by loving them, but you just keep loving them and who has seen it work? Who yeah. <laughs> has seen that work? But with God, really the pathway, the only way that you can have true love and the only way that you'll be able to do that successfully is through humility. Humility with God never fails. The picture of God's word is so clear. We can go from Genesis to Revelation and you will find what I'm going to read here in James chapter 4. Everybody say, when in doubt... Humble yourself before God. It doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. Humble yourself before the Lord. Because remember, Jesus was being crucified on the cross. Who was right in that situation? Jesus was. And yet Jesus said, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The love of Jesus came through the humility towards his father. Your love is only going to be fully effective with humility. If you find someone who doesn't love, you know what you're also going to find? Every single time, pride, a lack of humility in their heart. Every single time. And it's, and it's funny because if we start to think about the word, and we start to think about the picture we have of light and darkness and God and Satan, right? Humility and pride. The devil has hatred that can't even be explained. I don't, I, I try. Who has actually tried to understand darkness? Like you don't just sit and think about it for hours on end, but just try to understand how something or someone can hate that much. I heard a preacher say that you think when, you know, someone's dying in your life or you're in a hard situation, the devil would lit up, you know, even the worst of enemies, right? Who has heard like Germany and like, right, Germany and, and, and us in World War II. And it came down to that moment where like the guy had his back turned or something, right? Who's heard all these stories, right? And it doesn't matter whose side it was, you, there was mercy, even though that was your enemy, because it just, I, there's a point in, in us that even in war, like where you're going to find mercy. And there is no mercy in him. Zero. No grace, no mercy, no letting up. And that's interesting because the, bri the Bible says that his sin is pride. Pride comes before the fall. Hatred and pride are hand in hand. Love and humility are hand in hand. If you want the love of Christ to work in you and to experience that love, really, we can't even experience, before you ever give his love, how do we experience the love of Christ? You must humble yourself. I'm going to make a bold statement. It's not scripture, so I always tell you that first. I'm going to say it, then you guys can screen it through the word. I think the scriptures point to it, but it was kind of a bold thing that I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying is the only sin I can't overlook is pride. Who has had a time of your life where you were in sin, whether you knew it or you didn't know it, the Lord gave you grace anyway, gave you some time. 
work things out. But pride, (laughs) who's ever been in pride and saw God come to your side real quick? Anybody here want to be humble enough to admit their pride? It's the fastest way to get God to show up is to get into pride. (laughs) I just don't want him to show up that way, though. But he will. And actually... Because he is love, God is love, Satan is hate. When he comes, is he coming in hatred? He's coming out of love anyway. If you don't humble yourself, he'll humble you for you. I'd rather experience the, he'll start showing the pathway to humility, right? Starts humbling you, the humbling situation. Again, he doesn't necessarily do it. The devil's doing it. But it's like, okay, now here's a moment to get low. When in doubt humble yourself. This is what it says in the book of James chapter 4 verse 6. It says, everybody let's read this out loud. James 4 verse 6 says, and he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud. I just want you to pause right there. See, God opposes. Does God oppose the sinner? He loves the sinner. Now, does he, is he happy with their sin? No. Is, does the sin actually repulse him? Yes. The word's actually clear that sin repulses God. Sin actually can't get close to God, but God is doing everything he can to get you to turn to him. But the only reason someone won't turn from their sin is pride. God actually opposes pride. It's an opposition to God. When in doubt, humble yourself. Sometimes I don't know where God is in the situation. I don't know what way to go yet. Who's been in situations like that? You don't know. Should I go left? Should I go right? Is this, you know, should I, in this case, you know, should I, should I forgive? Uh, uh, Yes is always the answer, but sometimes you're trying to sort out what's right and wrong. Just humble yourself before the Lord. Every single time, God will do it. Humble yourself because the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. Who wants God's grace working in your life? Who's experienced God's grace? His grace is so incredible. And I say this so strongly and yet with so much love. God's grace is not a crutch. His grace is not for you to say, well, this is me. Accept me for who I am. Jesus says, yes, I love you. And if you need to walk with grace for a crutch for a season, I'm there for you. In fact, if you got to use grace as a wheelchair for a season, I'm there for you. But my grace is there to empower you. My grace is there to to show you who I am, to show you my love, and to show you my power. And the Bible actually paints in a couple of different pictures, but paints this picture of when, when we don't receive that grace properly. I don't know how to say this. 
When we don't take his grace seriously, if we treat, the Bible goes into some pictures and it says that basically, and you'll know these verses, that we trample on the blood of Jesus. In fact, it says, you know, the Jews, God had a certain standard for them. God expected so much of them and they had the law and they had Moses and they had the prophets and so on. But now that we have Jesus Christ, now that we have the blood of Jesus, his only son, how much higher the standard is. We need to humble ourselves constantly. We have never arrived. Just say it. I have not arrived. (laughs) We will arrive. Come on, one day. We're going to arrive and the Lord's going to give you a new body. He's going to give you a new, come on. He's going to give you the newness of his full nature in completion He's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to take away every pain. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. But until that time, until you literally go to the cross, come on, it must be humility all the way until your death. Jesus was humble right up until he breathed his last. And that is what the Lord is asking of us. He's not asking for perfection but he's asking for us to humble yourself. If you humble yourself, you'll find grace. As soon as we start to say, well, thank you for your grace. I'm going to do things the way I see best. You may not think you're in pride, but you are. The moment we tell God, well, I, I don't believe you. I don't believe your word. It could sound humble. You can use the sweetest, most humble voice you want towards God, but you're in pride. And his grace starts disappearing a little bit. Who's been there? And we say, what's going on? God, where's your grace? Pride, man, pride will show very quickly. It's, it's actually a good thing, though, at the same time, because it's the blinking red light on the alarm or the dinging on the alarm telling me I need to come back to the Lord. I need to get, just, get, just get humble. It says, verse 7, so humble yourselves before God. Everybody say, humble yourselves. Some people think you can't humble yourself. God, only God can humble you. Then why would James 4 verse 7 say, everybody say it again, humble yourself before God, which I think is, there shouldn't necessarily be a period here. I mean, there wasn't in the original. We just put them where it makes the most sense. But I think that this verse, and again, this is my opinion, so I always tell, tell you first, but humble yourselves before God and you will be automatically resisting the devil and he will flee from you. If you humble yourself, it's instant resistance towards the devil because the devil works in pride. God is love. God is humble. The devil is hatred and he is pride. It's very simple. You get into pride, we get into hatred. (laughs) You say, I don't hate. Well, Just dig down deep. Sometimes it takes a little bit deeper digging to find the pride and find the hatred. But if you dig deep enough, you may find evidence of those things still there. 
and we must uproot those things. If we humble ourselves, the devil has no power over you. You know, he only has power. Humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if let's just take away this part. Let's get rid of humble yourselves before God. We have the devil around us and his presence, and he doesn't come just to hang with you. <laughs> Devil's not just looking for a party. He might pretend to you that he wants to party. Doesn't want to party. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. If the devil's around your life, he has one purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he has come around you, there's only one answer. It's to humble yourself before God. You say, well, I'm already humble. Just get lower. I've already humbled myself. Well, humble yourself again. Come on, never get tired of that. The devil's a sneak. I call him a slick-haired lawyer. He's a Long Island lawyer. Sorry, all you Long Islanders out there that may be listening, get offended at that. <laughs> you know, the one with the pillars and the lions out front. <laughs> you guys have all got that picture, so it's not too far off. It's the one following ambulances around. He's a slick-haired lawyer. He's the accuser. He's a sneak he has been studying you. He's been studying your parents. He's been studying your grandparents. He's been studying humanity. He knows you better than you know yourself. Now, who knows us better than the devil knows us? Come on, I'm not going to leave you there. Can't even finish the breath without saying Jesus knows you better. And Jesus has more power. And Jesus has the dominion. And the cross crushed his skull. Do you know that the cross was placed upon, it's called the place of the skull. Come on. It's not our skull. He didn't come to crush your skull. Whose skull is that? It's the skull of Satan. The cross pierced through the skull of Satan. It's not through the skull of man. He loves humanity. He loves all of humanity. He loves the sinner. If he didn't, then why would he die for us while we were still sinners? He loves the sinner. But the enemy is sneaky, so you know what he does? He says, I'm not going to get them not to believe in Jesus, so I'll just get them another way. I'm just going to try to get them in themselves. Come on, this is the word. Let's look at some scriptures. There's many strategies that he uses, but I just want to look at some scriptures. Let's look at, I have a few things. I want to look at a Re Revelation 12. And I want to look at Matthew 4, Luke 4, just some pieces here. Should to turn, actually, first, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. But I'm going to turn also to Luke 4, Matthew chapter 4. We find one of my favorite stories. We were actually just driving down the road the other day, Dawn and I talking to our kids, what's your favorite story in the Bible? I'd say this is probably one of my favorites, but then I'm going to say the whole word's my favorite. I was like, I can't pick a favorite. Started naming a whole bunch of them. But we have a story here about Jesus, and I just want to pull up Luke 4, because Luke 4 says one extra line that I love. And let's just see here. Thank you, Lord. 
Yes, we'll pull it up in Luke 4, chapter 1. Chapter Luke 4, verse 1. Thank you, Lord. It says, Luke 4, verse 1, then Jesus, everybody say Jesus. All right, this is Jesus. All right, this is Jesus, the Son of God. If there was a greatest, the greatest of greatest of greatest, King of kings, Lord of lords, it's Jesus. There is no higher. There is no greater. This is Jesus. He humbled himself, but he's still Jesus. Everybody say, he humbled himself, but he's still Jesus. You can say that with a little southern, southern twang, too. You know, put some truth into that. He's still Jesus. Come on. But it says in in verse 1 that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say he was full of the Holy Spirit. All right, because that's key. This is key. Jesus, the Son of God, full of the Holy Spirit. In fact, right, we saw Matthew chapter 3 and here at the beginning of Luke. He's just been baptized. John said, I saw the Spirit descending on him like a dove. All right, so Jesus is, has, the, has the Spirit. And it says that he returned from the Jordan River and he was, everybody say, he was led by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit led Jesus. <laughs> the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Now the Matthew account says to be tempted. So in Luke We have in verse 2, it says, where he was tempted. Everybody say, where he was tempted, or the New King James says he was being tempted. It says, by the devil for 40 days. And I referenced these uh, last week, but we never got to look at them. So I just want to quickly look at what happens here. And Jesus ate nothing all that time, and he became very hungry. Jesus is the Son of God, okay? If this was post the cross, post Christ, if we were reading in one of the New Testament books about a Christian, this is the Christian who is a complete Christian, all right? He is the picture now of you've received the blood, you've received the cross, I'm a complete Christian, I have the Holy Spirit. Come on, this is a Holy Spirit-filled believer. This is the picture here. Is anybody doubting Jesus is a Holy Spirit-filled believer? All right. He's the initiate. I mean, he is belief itself, okay? He is in you. And it says that he was tempted. A Holy Spirit believer can be tempted, you know. And do you know when he comes? Come on, tell, tell, you know when he comes. Tell me. When does he come? He comes, it says, when he became very hungry. The devil is looking for your weaknesses. He doesn't come and test your strengths. I know better to touch them in their prayer time because their prayer time's untouchable. I know better to touch them in their worship time. This person, that's not, I'm not going to get, they're not going to not go to church. I'm not even going to try. But this person has a tough time with unforgiveness. That's, that's where I'm going. They love God. They read, they pray, but they just can't seem to forgive. I'm going to hit that area. Come on, he looks for your weakness. He looks when you're tired. He looks when you're hungry. Who has been physically? Come on, talking. Let's go physical now, not spiritual. Who can try to define the line between physical and spiritual in here? Anybody want to come up front and define that line? Does anybody know where physical and spiritual begins and ends? Because my physical body and my spiritual body are constantly, come on, they're intertwined. 
like one. And they're tag teaming. My spirit has to tell my body sometimes what to do. Sometimes my body is trying to tell my spirit what to do, right? Peter, praying. Jesus, pray with me. I'm going to go pray. Pray. He comes back. He's, still, he's asleep. They're asleep again. Jesus tells us, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Okay, there's two parts, and yet the spirit wanted to pray, but the flesh overcame the spirit. Come on, there's two parts, but they're there together and intertwined. And so let me tell you something. Sometimes we, we over-spiritualize. Sometimes we get a cut and we go, oh, the devil cut my finger. I'm just joking with Jean. I get cut every single day. And if every time I got hurt, I thought it was the devil, I should just change trades or wear gloves. I mean, either one would work. But sometimes we under-spiritualize. Come on, say, sometimes we under-spiritualize. We don't recognize it's the devil. Who has not? Then after you go, man, that was the devil and I missed it. Come on, who gets tired and hungry and then the devil seems to all of a sudden have extra power in your life that he didn't have when you had a full stomach? Is anybody in here like me? That when we get frustrated, come on, Dawn and I are laughing because we had this interesting two weeks and I just know, man, it's just because the Lord is trying to grow us. When the devil comes around, the Lord's looking for something. Because what happens in that humility? What did I start the sermon with? I'm going to encounter Jesus. When I encounter Jesus, what happens? Well, first of all, uh, in that place, I'm going to find peace and joy and hope and life in me. But also, what's the devil really after? Does he really care about you as the individual? What I started saying last week. He cares more about your message. Everybody say he's after my testimony. And I want to look at Revelation 12. He's after your testimony. But anyway, back to this flesh thing. So your body is natural, and yet it's connected to your spirit. Somehow when your body is weak, your spirit, if you are not careful, can be affected by it. When we're cranky, we show everyone the serpent <laughs> in us, the scorpion, the lion. We roar. We strike. Is that Jesus? Come on, let's just be honest though. Don't make excuses saying, well, I'm tired. Because Jesus came to him, and, and one way I see his love and his grace and forgiveness towards Peter, but I also see him saying, listen, he said, can't you just pray with me one hour? It's two-sided. He has grace, but he also said, why couldn't you pray with me for one hour? There's also a seriousness. Don't make excuses and just say, well, I'm tired and I'm cranky. I'll tell the Lord that, but then I immediately say, forgive me. Just humble again. Come on, everybody say, humility never fails. Dawn and I were joking. Oh, this is funny. She had an interesting circumstance at Duncan, and she can tell you that story herself, never. But I had an interesting story just down the road from there. We bought our new house, and... In trying to buy the house, we had tremendous struggle to, just to get in, and, and there's a, another story to that. But anyway, I had one of those frazzled days, so, and I'm on the phone with a million people, and I pull up to the diesel pump, which is going to be right by the new house. I drive two diesel trucks, so that's pretty advantageous to have a diesel pump right near my house. It's the closest, most convenient one, and in fact, I've known these people forever. And anyway, I'm on the phone. I don't realize it for like 20 minutes in front of the pump. So finally, the kid comes out. It's like, are you going to get gas? People waiting. 
So I pump the diesel quick. I come inside. The lady snaps at me. And she's like, you know, you, you send customers away, whatever. And I go, fine. I just won't get diesel here anymore. And I left. Well, my other diesel truck was running on almost empty. And I'm passing by on the way to my house. I pulled in. I went inside and I said, listen, I just need to say I'm sorry. Just forgive me. I was having a bad day. She said, I would have never expected this. I've known him, but how well do you know a gas station owner? She goes, I was surprised because you're never like that. The world's paying attention. See, we just look and go, oh, well, that was just a fleshed out moment. No big deal, right? I went on with my life. Didn't think of it again until it was empty again. But the world, so, see, the devil is trying to get the world around you. If he can get you, so be it. He got you. But if he can't get you out of Christianity, what he's going to try to do is get you. And there's many, I don't, need, I don't want to go in, there's other, many other, and I've preached about other things too. Get you selfish, just get you self-focused. You know, get you, there's other strategies. There's other extreme strategies. Get you in, into major sin and so on, but... The subtle ones are the ones that we, we don't notice. It comes so subtle, so slick, like a slippery serpent, right? Remember, he's the serpent. What does a serpent do? They sneak. Who sees snakes around your house? Anybody? You know they, they're there. Yes, you had one come out of your stove. That's freaky. <laughs> she had a snake literally... A six-foot-long black snake literally came out of the stove. She got rid of the stove, so would Dawn. <laughs> that is... But do you know they're around every house? Dawn says no. They're especially around our new house. <laughs> we live in the woods now. I'm like, they are there. Oh, man, I hope Jesus. We never see one because we're moving quickly. I don't want to move again. They're there, you just don't see them because they're sneaky. <clears throat> the devil's sneak. Everybody say the devil is sneaky. But you know the Bible also says, don't be unaware of his strategies. Why would it tell us to be, don't be unaware and just leave you there, right? Don't be an idiot. Doesn't, right? Don't, don't be an idiot. I wouldn't leave her there. Right When you tell your kids, don't do such and such, what are you, you're going to say, hey, don't do such and such. What are you implying? I've got a better way. And usually a good parent will then tell them what exactly in detail what you want from them. See, when the Lord, when the Bible says, don't be unaware of his, his strategies, his, his devices, his trappings, don't think that it's just like, oh yeah, we shouldn't be unaware but the Bible actually then also tells us in many, many ways exactly what they are. Humility never fails. When in doubt, just humble yourself. Doesn't matter who's right. It really doesn't, because I always go back to Jesus laying on that cross. I mean, it's not when he said it, but I always picture it as the nails are being hammered, just to be really forgiving. As he's, they're nailing those in. He's sneaky, but we can be aware. 
And in fact, Jesus had three temptations, and I believe he reveals some secrets. You know what a great fighter does? There's two types of fighters. One that comes in full force. What's the other fighter? What's the greater fighter do? Paces himself, takes his time. What's he doing? He's watching him, figuring out his moves. Come on. We can be Christians that have dominion. This is what I've been talking about, the kingdom of God. This is the kingdom of God. God has established his, he's establishing his kingdom on this earth through you. And he is subduing Satan under your feet. Every scorpion, every serpent, every lion, etc. that the word tells us is under our feet. But the devil is coming. He's roaring. He's angry at God. So he's trying to take it out on you in your life, but he's going to fail because Jesus is greater. But that means that we must stay in Jesus. The way we stay in Jesus is through humility. He says, verse three, we establish verse two, it's at your weakness and your weakness is just natural life. We all think it's going to be in the darkness of night that the devil comes. Who's had the devil come in your dreams or come in the night and try to scare you? Okay, that's different. That's just you and him. doesn't really affect your day except to make you feel creeped out. But what we're not aware of is when you're just talking to someone and all of a sudden you snap at them, right? That's, that was him sneaking in and then we leave feeling justified. I told them, <laughs> And the devil goes to his demons, man, that was easy. That was easy. Just got that Christian to act non-Christian. Well, all they had to do was say one thing that they didn't like. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something sharp, but it's Holy Spirit. Wow. All I had to do was get that Christian to hear one thing they didn't like out of the pastor's mouth, and they left? They quit. Devil's sitting home going, man, that was easy. As I started saying a couple weeks ago, all I had to do to get them to stop tithing was just show them that guy. And then they quit everything that God said about it. Come on. He's sneaky and he's subtle. But we must stay in God and humility is what? Where do we where is the humility of God? It's the heart, right? Before him, but there is a roadmap of humility. It's Jesus, and Jesus is also what? The Word. If you want to find out if you're being humble or not, go to his word. You'll find out real quick. Really, really quick. Wow. Wow, Jesus, I was not humble. And it says that Satan came and he said in verse 3, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. He came in his weakness and tried to get Jesus to react out of himself, react out of his own strength, react in his own power. Who knows that Jesus had the power to turn those stones into bread? Jesus sent down bread from heaven without stones, didn't need stones for 40 years every single day. Someone else can do the math, 40 times 365. 
I think that the Lord actually times six times 52, not 365, just to be extra complicated. Because one day a week, he didn't give them the bread. If you know your word, you know what I'm talking about. Verse 3, he said, turn it into bread. Oh, you're hungry? Just, you can do this. Stop trusting God, trust yourself. Now we have to see this is Jesus, but he is also, he's taken the position of a man. Come on, let's get this. Jesus took the position of a man temporarily to walk through this earth, to overcome Satan for us, and also to show us the path. Right, he did two things at once. He said, I'm the way. I'm truth, I'm life, and I'm the way. So I'll do it and then follow in my footsteps. He told the disciples what? What did he tell the disciples? He say, read your word. Come on, I'm not saying don't read your word. But what did he tell them to do? Follow me. Which for us would be reading the word. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to get you out of religion. That it's following Jesus step by step. But we just, we were so flippant. We're like, yeah, I'm, so I'm tired. I'm hungry. I, I'm frustrated, etc. So then we think we are allowed to react in that place as if that's a special reserved place for us. Come on, Christians. You know this makes sense. Well, I don't normally act like that. I'm frustrated. Yeah. I'm just tired today. Oh, okay. That makes sense. As long as it's cleared up. But Jesus told him no. Everybody say no. Remember just a couple weeks ago, man, one of my favorite moments of myself preaching a couple weeks ago, because I just know as Holy Spirit, it wasn't me when I just said no. Eventually, some people, they stood up and they just said no to Satan. You need to start saying no to Satan. We need to recognize that he's coming. And if you are weak and tired, he's probably on his way. If not already watching in your tiredness and in your frustration and your weakness, he's already there, most likely. But it says that the devil said to him, if you're the son, make this bread. But Jesus said, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. What's Jesus talking about? He says, I have a strength in me. I'm living on manna. It doesn't come from bread. I don't rely on my own strength. I'm weak, but I'm going to rely on God. It takes extra faith right then to rely on God because do you know his hunger didn't go away? Come on, he's Jesus, but it says he was hungry. If it says he was hungry, he was hungry. He's a human. Also, he's God and he's a man. And this man was hungry. This man wants to eat. But he waited on the Lord. So then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. Remember what I always say is this would not be a temptation if it wasn't a temptation. What did it say? That the devil tempted him. If it wasn't a temptation, the Bible wouldn't say it was a temptation. So this means the devil had the power to say this, right? Which means that he does have a realm. He has a kingdom. The stuff that you see, the world around you, the monetary system, the power system that you see, God's over all of it, right? And he's using it for his advantage. He used Pilate, who was a king, to 
authorized, fine. You want to put him on the cross, so be it. And he authorized it. But Jesus tells us who's really in control. You don't have power over me. I'm letting you do that. All right, so let's understand, though, that there's God and there's his kingdom and there's a kingdom of darkness, and it's real. And Satan said, I'll give you these kingdoms, whatever you need. Don't trust God. Just, if you'll just bow down to me. This is the easy button. You've heard me say that before. He's saying, just hit the easy button. This is the moment where, Jesus, why go through all of this? Why go through all the struggles? Why go from town to town trying to preach and some of them won't listen to you? Some of them are stubborn. Some of them won't receive you. Your own brothers and sisters are like, they're just a carpenter. Why go through all of that besides the cross? Why go through all of that? Well, I'll just give it to you right now. All you have to do is bow down to me. The next temptation that the devil will come with, right, after he comes to try to get you in your own strength is to, is to quit early for a momentary blessing, a momentary pleasure, right? A comfort. Who has been going through a hard time and when you quit, there's comfort? Come on, is there not a comfort instantly in quitting? But is that comfort real? Who wishes that they didn't accept that comfort of quitting, right? When you're going through hard things and hard times, that hard thing that you're going through is the pathway to get you to where God's got you. But if you quit, as soon as you come up against an obstacle that is difficult to your flesh, and the funny thing is, what was the devil appealing to? Who is Jesus? He's the son of God. Who is he? We're talking about the kingdom these last weeks. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. But the cross was part of that path on this earth, right? He was king beforehand, but on this earth, there was a purpose. And where was it going towards? It was going towards eternity, sitting next to the right hand of God at his right hand on his throne. But part of that plan and purpose was the cross. So ironically, what the devil will do is appeal to what you are. He'll try to come and appeal to the thing inside you that says, you're right. I am such and such. This is who I am. Why go through all that? I'll just do that right now. I'm not going to stick it out. Is it making any sense, guys? I'm not going to stick it out and just trust that God's got a way. Come on, God's got a way. God's got a plan. God's got a way. Come on, God has used the church. One of the ways is that God uses the church. He makes us like iron sharpening iron, right? Coming together and sharpening each other. He makes us fit together. Come on, he makes us fit together. And what are we doing? We're coming up against each other and rubbing some of the rust off of each other. That's the iron, the rust, right? And polishing each other. But if all you do is look at that rust, you're going to say, this is a mess, this is chaos, instead of looking at what God is trying to do through it and fitting you together. And there, this is that you are not an individual. You are an individual in Christ, but you are in his body. You are not your own. 
You must be, and this all comes back to that same thing of humility. That's why I just started there. It's all about humility. It is that you'll want to say, well, I can because I'm, I'm weak. He'll come in your weakness, but he'll also come and try to individualize you, separate you, put you off on your own, and even to amplify who, how special you are and your gifts and your abilities and try to get you to think about those things, and then you separate from the plan and purpose and call of God, and you become your own island. Meanwhile, what you've done is bowed down to Satan and missed the whole thing that God has for you. But it's in truly submitting, it's in truly humbling to God. He says, and this is the thing, he responds with word, right? Because Jesus doesn't respond with himself. This is Jesus. I think Jesus could make up new word if he wanted to, Right? We're reading the words in red, many things he said, but he doesn't even respond with his own words. He responds with the Old Testament, right? The word of God that was written at the time. He responds out of the word of God in humility. He says, we don't live by bread alone, quoting scripture. And then verse eight, scripture say, everybody say, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then finally, in verse 9, the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, if you are the Son of God, and I want to just point out, this is I don't have time for deep, deep teaching here, but he keeps asking the question, if. He's going to come and try to get you to question God. Just question everything. The devil says, if, 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 if. Just wants you to just to get into endless questioning, which then you have, the only thing you have to do is go back to the word and say, forget the ifs. I, I don't know the answers to all your questions, Satan. Just be humble. Jesus does. But sometimes just say, I don't know, but this is what the word says. This is what his word says. I'm just going to humble myself. This is what the word of God says. Come back to that place, and he says, Basically tells him, verse 9, throw yourself off. Come on, if you're, if you're the son of God, verse 10, he said he'll order his angels to protect you and to guard you. Verse 11, they'll hold you up with their hands. And this is interesting. Verse 10, Satan actually quotes Psalm 91. You know Satan will quote the word of God to you, gets you. That's why you got to know the word. And you got to stay humble. Because he'll come and tell you the word. Come on, this is who you are. God's gifted you. God's put a gift in you. You can do whatever you want. You're free. Jesus understood submission. He understood humility. I'm not free. And I don't have time for the verses. We ran out of, some, ran out of our time. But the verses say it. You've heard me say it many, many times. We, were not, we are not free. There is a freedom that you will have for all of eternity, but you have given your freedom willingly. Come on, I say, I gave my freedom willingly. Jesus freed you, and what did you do with your freedom? You went and enlisted. Come on. We enlisted, which was free. Didn't make you do it. I enlisted freely. But what happens when you enlist? Are you free anymore? What happens if you leave? They can have a name for that, right? AWOL. And the Lord's out to find you. And where are you going after that? It's not a fun experience. Puts you in their prison, and it's not like our prison, country clubs. But he responds with the word only. He says, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. It was only in his humility. See, if we get into pride, 
we think we know, come on, if we think we know, it takes low because sometimes the devil will even speak word. He'll even speak the word to you to get you into yourself and your own strength and to set yourself apart and put yourself and say, well, I know. He'll use even the word. We must be so low that we say, he said, the scriptures also say, you must not test or you don't tempt the Lord your God. And verse 13, it says, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him. Everybody say he left him. What did James tell us? James tells us, humble yourself before the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What did Jesus do? The Bible says that he humbled himself. This is a picture. It doesn't say those in words, but I think the picture is clear, his humility. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to listen to the word of God. Even being the son of God, I'm still going to listen to the word. So he humbled himself and the devil left, devil left. But you are lying to yourself if you think that's it. Oh, man, thank God that that's over. It is over, but don't take a vacation because the devil goes, I know their weakness. Every time that they think they win, they go back to just watching TV and they don't pray anymore. They don't, they don't get around, they, they press in and seek me to get through their battle, and then right after, they take a vacation. <laughs> so you know what the devil says? I know their weakness. Come on. All I have to do is I'll put them in a little battle. I feel like they won, and then I got them. Who's been there? Who felt like, man, well, I conquered that, and now it's, and what, what happened? We have to stay because it says, What's the, what's the scripture say? He left him until the next opportunity came. And, and the New King James says, for a more opportune time. You know, he comes back again. I, I don't have time. But remember Peter? Jesus is like, I just want to let you guys know there's going to be some things you don't understand. I'm going to be going to the cross. And it's the plan and call of God. And Peter says, no way, Lord. I'm not letting that happen to you. And what does Jesus say? Jesus turns to Peter, all right? We're talking Peter the rock, Peter the apostle. You know, however you want to interpret the verse, Peter, I'm going to either, I'm going to build upon the, either the revelation he had, which is just amazing. Peter has this revelation that Jesus is the rock or literally upon Peter, whichever way you want to look at that. This is Peter. And he turns to Peter and he says, Peter, no turns to Peter and he says, Satan, get behind me. You don't know what you're talking about. Actually, he says, um, the best way to put it in just 2019 human English is that's human reasoning. That's human thinking. That's human is what he's telling Peter. He's talking to Satan and he's talking to Peter at the same time. You're letting Satan work through you. But nonetheless, Satan tried to come and came through Peter. Satan will try to come. He'll try to come. He'll try to voice through the person. We're talking Jesus literally. Peter's with Jesus all the way. I mean, he stays with, with Jesus. In fact, he even goes to his own cross, 
right? And history tells us that he loved Jesus so much that it's not in the Bible, but it's history that he says, I'm not even worthy to be crucified like him and made them crucify him upside down just because he revered Jesus that much. And meanwhile, he turns to him and says, Satan, Satan will try to come and he'll give you a good out to stick in it out, even through the person you love and trust, possibly, if not the most, that's an argument between John and Peter. <laughs> They're laughing about that in heaven right now. Remember when we used to, that was so silly. That was pretty dumb because we're all up here with him. Remember when we used to think who was the best? But regardless, we're going to call him his left-hand man and his right-hand man. This is a close guy, and it came through him. We need to identify it properly. Jesus was quick to identify it, but Jesus stayed humble, and Jesus used the word. Jesus did not get into his own strength. Jesus did not flesh out. Come on, I have so much more, right? Go read it, Revelation 12, because I probably won't do it next week, but Revelation 12 read it, it talks about the dragon and it talks about how he's angry that he got cast down to earth, right? He was conquered. And so what does he do? He comes and he pursues us. But it says that we resisted him. Come on, we know the verse, right? Revelations 12, it says, we resisted him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And that's what he's after, if he can't get you out of the blood, he's going to get, try to get your testimony. Just get you, and one way or the other, get you to divert. You're still following. You think this is Jesus, Jesus walking on the plan, walking on the path. He, even Jesus, was tempted to try to get off track, mess up his testimony. All right, we can't mess up the blood. The blood is the blood. All right, post-tense. I'm mixing a few things together here. Post-revelation. I mean, I don't, we don't understand the, ne the exact timelines, so forget the timelines. Just understand the principle that it's the blood of Jesus and your testimony. The Bible tells us it overcomes. You want your dominion back. Come on, we've been talking about the kingdom. Just to sum up this kingdom series, that God is establishing his kingdom. It is through you. It is through the church, and you are not alone. It is through you together as the church, and that will create strife. That will create frustrations, and the devil will try to get between the Peter and the Jesus and all these different things, try to get you to get you and be your, elevate yourself, become somebody on your own, go running off. Come on. Is all this making sense today? Well, we need to humble ourselves. That's just simple because the Lord will show you exactly what to do when you do that. The devil goes and the, the word becomes clear. Amen. Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Your word says of itself that the truth will set you free. I pray, Lord, that there is freedom today. There's freedom in our body, soul, mind, and spirit today, Lord. You have spoken through your word, and I pray, Lord, that we, as your word calls us to be, one with you and one with each other. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that the devil cannot touch that. He cannot touch our oneness, and that the world, when they see it, they will recognize that it's the love of Jesus. And it only comes through our 100% humility every single time we just keep coming and saying, Lord, forgive me, and Lord, I'm going to stand in the gap one way or the other. 
I'm staying humble. I'm not giving the devil an entrance in any way. I'm going to rely on your word. I'm not relying on myself, and I don't need to be anybody. We thank you, Jesus, that that's the heart in this church. And I thank you, Lord, you're going to grow this church because of that heart that you have planted here in this people. And we just give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen.